You said you were in a band. Yep. Are you a... What kind of instrument do you play? A guitar. Oh. Do you still play? Yep. Oh, awesome. Have you got any, any guitars here? I don't. I, I learned guitar at school and then dropped off. I should have. You have a ukulele. Can you yeah. play the ukulele, Johnny? I can pull up my uke if you want. Can you I... play the Podzilla theme song on the ukulele? No, but I'll learn it for you. My, <laughs> my kids have all got ukuleles and I, I know some of the chords, but I don't don't know as much. <laughs> That's awesome. We got to try track down some some recordings of your band. Maybe we should just constantly have some guitars at the ready. Mm. Yeah, we're going to start doing that. Whenever guests on. Yeah. Welcome back to Podzilla, everyone. It's it's awesome to be here. I'm Jasha. I'm Micah, and today we have a very special guest with us, Johnny, Johnny Andrews. Johnny Andrews. Hello, everyone. My name is Johnny. Yeah, it's so it's good nice, to have you. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Fellow New Zealander too. Yeah, the reason we have you on is because we've actually seen each other a few times in the past. You and Jasha are good film friends. <laughs> film friends, yeah. Film friends. Film friends. That's the official term. <laughs> We're not real friends. No, no, no. no. We're only Don't go film that far. friends. Um, <laughs> I've met you in passing, yeah. Um, but you also are a fellow Kiwi with a podcast. I'm not a Kiwi. Yeah, he's not a Kiwi. But you live in New Zealand. I do live in New Zealand. That's Kiwi enough for me. I'm an adopted Kiwi, I think. Yeah. Well, where are you originally from? The UK? Manchester in the UK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, how long did you live there for? Quite a quite a bit of your childhood? We moved here just before I, I turned 30. Whoa. So I've, I've been here for 15 years, giving away my age. <laughs> That's long enough to become a Kiwi. Do you think... I think so. Nearly there. People are a bit snooty about it because they want, you know. Are they gatekeeping the Kiwi name? I think they are. <laughs> I, th- I really do think they are. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the closest. Yeah, we're finally getting some Kiwis on the podcast, bringing it home. This is great. You live in Auckland. Do you live in Auckland? Which is a couple of hours away from us. But you guys have probably heard us talk about Auckland on the podcast before. We see a few movies there, frequent some movie marathons. Johnny's also had a lot of those, so... It's so cool to finally have you on the show, Johnny. We've been talking about this for a while. Thanks. It's good, um, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you. We thought we'd ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay. Sure. Usually, when we get guests on the show, we like to talk to them about Godzilla, their favorite movies, their history with the franchise. And I know this is not a Godzilla movie we're covering today. We're going to be talking about monsters. Mm. But I, I still thought it would be cool to hear, um, what's kind of your history with Godzilla? So I brought some visual aids, hey. which, which might not work very well on a on an audio podcast. <laughs> Would you describe them? Yes. So I've brought along some visual aids to sort of describe what my favorite monster movies are. Because hey. I'm I'm not a massive Godzilla fan. Yeah. I've seen some of the films. I'm I'm more of a casual Godzilla fan, but nice. I'm I'm a fan of monster movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm also a fan of soundtracks. Oh my gosh! Oh. So I, I've brought a selection here. I'd probably say three three favorite monster films here and probably two uh, honorable mentions. So my first honorable mention. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I can't believe you've got them on vinyls within wraps. That's awesome. Yeah. So I love this film. It's not the greatest soundtrack. Who directed it? <laughs> Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. But I love this film. I probably prefer the earlier section of the film inside mm. the bunker before the monsters. Crazy alien up. stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I still think it's a largely unseen. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have seen the first Cloverfield, right? Yeah, and I know that the there was a third one in space. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 Cloverfield Paradox. Also. Yeah, so there's that, almost that. like various different endings. 
I, I think it might be that doesn't look too fondly upon, but I'm with you. Team Cloverfield Lane's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Another honorable mention. Mad God. Oh, Mad God. Oh, my gosh. So this is uh, the soundtrack to Phil Tippett's Mad God, which came out last year, I think. Yeah, on Shudder. Yeah, and that, uh, for people who don't know, is a stop-motion horror sci-fi mm. thing that he, he took like 30 years to, to make. Most so of impressive. his life. Yeah. Yeah. I love Mad God. It's it's such a it's a vibe of a movie, but it is just wild stuff. I love it. And then if we went on some uh, some of my three favorite uh, monster movies, so the first time I probably saw a kaiju in a film, yeah, would be Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, that is awesome. What a cool vinyl. And like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is a kaiju. Hundred right? percent, he's a kaiju. Okay, giant yeah. monster. Yeah. That's that's a great soundtrack too. Yeah. So this, oh my gosh. So this is the score by Elmer Bernstein. And oh this yes. One, this only came out a couple of years ago. Like until now, you could only get the, the soundtrack, the wow. soundtrack. Oh. Another one of my favorites, and I, I saw this in your yeah yeah your uh, LP. So this is the soundtrack to Alien by mm. Jerry Goldsmith. That's yes, cool. This is a good one. And I mean, come on, that's one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah. But my my favorite monster movie of all time is, is this oh. John Carpenter's The Thing. I can't Look believe at this, this case. case. It's fantastic, isn't it? That's so cool. For those of you who aren't seeing it, the the case is pretty much cracking open. Yeah, yeah. revealing the inside, cracking the ice. What a movie! The Thing's amazing. I think it's technically a kaiju movie too, right? That turns into a big beast at the end. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. How big does something have to be to be a kaiju? This is the eternal question. <laughs> right. Yeah. We still don't know. Keeps us awake at night. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps us awake. Well, thanks for bringing that up. That's awesome. This is so cool. That's like, a nice little how collection. Because you've got heaps of vinyls, right? Heaps of records. Uh, yep. How big would you say your collection is? It's over 2,000. Whoa. 2,000? Yeah. Now, how how is it set out? Do you have a room dedicated? I have several rooms <laughs> because they take up so much room. I have all my soundtracks on one thing next to the TV. On the other side of the room, I've got another cabinet, which has A through to Whoa. M. Yeah. Oh, so you've organized it all yeah. alphabetically. And then in the bedroom next to my bed, I've got another big cabinet that's got N through to Z. Yeah. I've that's... got far too many. No, honestly, like, I mean, I know we're not real friends. We're just film friends. <laughs> but I am constantly, like, blown away seeing your collection on, on socials. It's so cool. You have some awesome stuff there. Now, I have a question. What does your wife think about the house being dominated? That's the eternal question. <laughs> yes, she. Uh, I think she she sees she, she sees it as my passion, and she lets me do it. Nice, yeah. But I've got to be careful. <laughs> got to be real careful. I'm I feel that carefulness now that I'm collecting like Godzilla figures. Yeah. They're like, oh, Mike just sent me a link today, and the line I'm collecting released like another ten. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do? Yep. What do I do? What I'm just imagining her rolling over in her bed and where you should be. It's just a pile, <laughs> pile of records. It's, it's pretty much that. The really bad thing is that I, I always used to get my records sent to work. <laughs> True. Just because it's safer, right? Yeah, it's no, safer. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, safer. Yeah, safer. When the pandemic happened, uh, work said, okay, everyone, don't get any mail sent mm -hmm. to work. But I had like stuff that I'd ordered months ago, like from the US, you know, you, you always have to buy these things months in advance, you know, yeah. pre-orders and stuff like that. Limited stuff. Yeah. And when work 
eventually let me in <laughs> on a on a like a special dispensation. The post lady had to bring all my records out on a on a trolley <laughs> because I had so many. And uh Ever since then, I've just gotten sent sent to home. It's That's just fantastic. just easier. That is amazing. Return to work, sit down at your desk. It's yeah. just yeah, far as I can see everywhere. That's amazing. But if anyone is interested in starting collecting records, I would I would strongly advise against it because it's so expensive. It really yeah. Is. What's the average record price nowadays? I reckon for a single disc, it's forty dollars. I think is the um, forty New Zealand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I w- was growing up, and that was one of the main formats, everything was quite the same price. But I think yeah. now, because they, because manufacturing them is so much more expensive, because it's not the dominant music. And I guess they're only making limited runs, Correct. right? Which yeah, which means that if you get a double album, mm-hmm. you're close to like a hundred dollars. Sometimes yeah. over a hundred, it's not yeah. worth it. That's what's stopping me at the moment because I see so many like cool, even Godzilla soundtrack releases from overseas, and it's like man. These are so expensive with shipping over here yeah, too. Plus, shipping. Yeah, shipping is the killer. Well, I will say as well that we uh, recently, when we saw each other, the three of us were actually watching Godzilla 1954 on the big screen at like a mystery movie marathon. It was one of the screenings, which was so cool. Is that what you call it? You call it Godzilla 1954 in, in, in the Godzilla community? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, because of that, that darn 98 film that's called Godzilla as well, and the 2014 that's called Godzilla. Who directed the 98 one? Uh, it's Roland Emmerich. <laughs> right? Good catching us out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we want to ask, so what Godzilla movies have you seen? You've seen the original. You've seen 1998. Uh, I've only seen the original when we saw it. Yeah, yeah that's so crazy. Very yeah. Recently. And you loved it? Loved it. Awesome. So my the first one I would have watched would have been the 98 one, which I saw in cinemas. Mm-hmm. I've since seen the two that have been released in like the last 10 years. Monsterverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah, nice. That was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. It was one. funny. Yeah. This, this is the the old, old one. There's Godzilla versus Kong and Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> Are you meaning King Kong versus Godzilla? Or <laughs> no, Godzilla the recent one with like Kong. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Charlie, this whole goes so much deeper than you. Yeah, yeah, I bet it does. This is one of the reasons why I've not seen that many is because there's so many of them. Yeah. I don't really know where to start. And what I might start doing is watching them and listening to your podcast. Hey. Like in in order. We could give you a solid starting point. Mm. Um, because the timeline diverges. Uh the original fifty-four film is always I won't say always, majority of the time it is canon to the timeline. A lot of the older, like 50s, 60s, 70s stuff shoots off from there. But then they did a reboot with the 90, uh, 80s and 90s movies uh, and a little side timeline, which I think you'd quite enjoy. It's you've a got, lot of really cool effects in that Heisei era. Yeah, after just watching the original, Johnny, you've got a lot of options. You've mm-hmm. got like six different continuities you could take the journeys down now. I, I see that as a problem. That's one of the things because I can't decide what, what yeah. to do. Yeah. And all of them have some great ones. All of them have some not yeah. so great ones. Yeah. So yeah, it's a trip. But um, no, honestly, again, it's so cool to have you. Um, We've been chatting about this for ages. And I think well, we're jumping on your podcast sometime soon as well. So Maybe, maybe one day that might happen. Maybe one day. Maybe now, one day. We've just recorded that. So, yeah. Uh, Did you want to t- tell us a little bit about your podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. So my podcast is called My Movie DNA. And it is an interview format mm. where I speak to a different person every episode about their favorite films. The gimmick being that the movies we watch are part of the building blocks of who we are. Yeah. So it's in our DNA. 
uh, and you guys, I've just interviewed you guys for my podcast, which should be out soon. Yeah, it's yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, listen to that to see what me and Micah think our perfect movies are. Mm. We put forward a couple of choices. We've talked about our history with a lot of movies and specifically Godzilla ones, but it's really cool to like dive into the base foundations. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah. because you're absolutely right. The movies we watch makes us and forms a big part of who we are. Yeah. So links in the show notes. Check out my movie DNA, guys. But hey, we're actually here to talk about a little movie called Monsters from the year 2010. And this was done by Gareth Edwards, which actually syncs up really well with the podcast because Gareth Edwards after this would go and do the 2014 Godzilla movie. And then also, I think around the time we were releasing this, he's coming up with his new movie, The Creator. Mm. So I'm sure we'll get into talking about that a bit later on. But Johnny, did you kind of want to recap Monsters for us? Yeah, so it's quite a simple film. And probably in terms of synopsis, I might just give the setup of yeah. what, what happens. Love so it. opening text informs us that six years ago, NASA has detected life somewhere else in our solar system. A probe has gone up to collect samples and has crash landed somewhere in North Mexico. American photojournalist Andrew Calder, played by Scoot McNary, which is the best name in the world. Mm, so good. Scoot. He's searching for a Mexican hospital at the beginning to find Samantha Winden, played by Whitney Abel, who is, is his real-life girlfriend. Yeah, a wife, I think, at the oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. And she plays the daughter of the man he works for. So he finds her, she's okay, job done, end of film. <laughs> but then, so his boss blackmails him somehow into taking her back to the USA with him, which involves traveling through the infected zone. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> and, and that's the setup. This is a really interesting movie, first off, because it's set up as a big monster movie, but even being called monsters, the monsters take the back seat for, I, in my opinion, they're not the focus of this movie at all. Just and a fun road trip movie, right? Yeah. It's, it's more so focusing on the journey that two people take in a world where monsters do exist, yep. where there's an infected zone. Uh, and just the troubles that come with trying to keep your life together while managing this dangerous scenario. Yep. Had you guys seen this before? Because I watched it like ages ago when I was younger. I could hardly remember it. But I, I remember you saying, Mikey, you hadn't even heard of this before. No, no, I didn't even know this, know this existed. And have you seen it, Johnny? I had. I'd seen, I'd seen this and its sequel roughly around the same, same time when they came out. Yeah. So I'd missed Monsters in 2010 and maybe I saw it uh around 2012 when a, maybe a sequel was announced mm. and we were we, myself and my wife were fans enough of the first film that we were quite eagerly anticipating the sequel and uh yeah i love it the thing i love the most about it is like what mike has just said that it's not really a monster movie uh it's so subtle and grounded and it sort of just deals with oh there are monsters and there's this other thing that has to happen so she has to get home yeah and yeah, very much the monsters uh, take a back seat. You do see them. I do think that a lot of middle America might struggle with the fact that there's no monsters in this film. Or <laughs> there are monsters, but there's no like big raw. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably why it didn't have much of an impact on me when I was younger, because I was watching it for the monsters. And then you just see a couple like octopuses singing to each other and yeah. doing weird stuff with tentacles. Yeah. yeah, Even in the climax of this movie, it's, it's like an anticlimactic climax. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was very excited to revisit it. So yeah, let's let's chat about it. I, I, I wanted to ask first off what you guys kind of thought about the whole filming style because it's this handheld camera, really low budget indie movie. First off, 
Um, and I think it's really, really unique what it's trying to do. Yeah, if if I'm if I'm correct with this, the entire team, the production team of this, was only like six or seven people mm-hmm. for, for majority of the film. It's crazy. Yeah, all together on in like one van, just traveling yeah. around making a movie. <laughs> this is the perfect way to make a movie. It is. I know me and Jace have toyed with the idea of at some point in our lives getting together and making a movie or making a short film. Mm. And I think it would very much be in the same vein as the people who made this movie where you just go around, have a couple cameras, a bit of equipment, try sneak into Ooh. try sneak into places <laughs> yeah. you're not supposed to be. Because <laughs> I think that's, they did this in this movie. A lot yeah. of the places they were filming yeah, yeah. they weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. It's crazy. Was this common knowledge when it came out? Johnny, do you remember if like... I, I think we knew it was directed by a Kind of an unknown English yeah. director, British director. I don't know if he might be Welsh, maybe. Oh, true. Because Edwards is a yeah, hey. Welsh surname. But I definitely remember it being very outside Hollywood, mm. uh, which is the other thing I love about it. And I actually wonder whether this film is an allegory about Gareth Edwards trying to make his way into the USA to make movies. Hey, Lord yeah, well. Because, I mean, that's something that I was wondering, and I guess we can get into plot details soon, but the movie's called Monsters. I And, I, of course, I like my mind goes to almost double meaning. What what are the actual monsters in the movie? Because we see these huge kind of kaiju. I think, are they called like squid octopus monsters? I don't think they have a proper name. I think the closest thing is just octopus monsters. <laughs> octopus um, monsters. At least in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. And... They're always there. We hear about them. We see pictures of them. We see bits of them at the end. Um, but they're really not made to look monstrous. Yep. Um, and you're going on this journey with our two protagonists. And it makes you think, like, throughout the whole way, are they supposed to be the monsters? Are the people they're coming in contact with supposed to be the monsters? I really love the ambiguity about the whole thing. What did you guys, what was your take on it? Because I, I saw some people reading online that, like, the U.S. military are the monsters here. You see all their destruction and their wake. You see everything they're doing to control the situation and make a bigger mess of it. I'm not the best person with subtext. Yeah. So I think it's about monsters. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> I, I just wanted to check that we're on the same page. That's great. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the true monster in this movie is the is the boat owner who was trying to charge yeah, 5,000. Yeah, the guy. 10,000. The fairy guy. Yeah. What an actor, too. It's so good. He was good. All of that felt very real as well. Like, like usually with a Hollywood genre film, things would just happen. They would mm. just jump on a boat or jump on a plane or whatever. Yeah, you don't delve into any other. No. And this, they just sit in an office. Well, it's not really an office, like a ferry, ferry office. Yeah. And just try and get, try and buy ferry tickets it just felt very like this is what traveling is like it's like the logistics of like trying to book a ticket oh we've run out you know it's relatable it it feels terrible though like it's such almost low stakes usually but it just feels like the end of the world in that situation them trying to get this ferry ticket yeah honestly in in a world full of full of monsters and kaiju this this is like one of the bigger Dangers and threats of the movie is just getting scammed out of some tickets. The fairy man, eh? Some guy. I got robbed. So all I want is to get one ticket for her on the ferry. Back to America? This is my problem. I know it's not your problem. I'm just asking you to help me out here. As you can see, look, everything is closed. The army is out there. The the navy is out there. Yesterday, you got all the possibilities. Today, no possibility. Yesterday, I paid you $5,000. Yesterday. No, yesterday, I paid you $5,000. Yesterday, today, no possible. What do you mean there's no possible? You tell me there's no more ferries here. 
Okay, what about by land? You want to go to the defective zone? No. Take. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. I do. I just want to get home. If that's the only way, I'll be happy to go. It's going to be more expensive. I need to hire some people. Chofer, que los lleve ustedes allá. And just talk about the realism of, 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 yeah. of everything in the film. I think that's the other thing that really sticks out in, in a situation like this or in a war situation. You wouldn't see everything. Mm. You might see the after effects of things. But Hollywood films are so focused on showing the audience everything that's happening. Whereas this, something's, something has happened and you're seeing the after effects of it or something's happening far away. Um, yeah, you're not seeing the important part almost. Yeah, like yeah. if you lived in Aleppo and you're being bombed all day, you're not mm. going to see everything that's happening in, in Aleppo. You'll see things on your street. Yeah. But you might not see something that happens over mm. here or over here. And I think that's the other thing I liked. Yeah, it's just really real and laid back and... You're just following these two people as they try to make their way home. And yeah, I just love the feel of the whole thing. I love the, it just feels so, the pacing feels so different than anything else before. Like I was trying to think back afterwards and there are a couple of like big things that happen um, throughout the movie, but most of the time you're just spent talking, these characters talking to each other, learning about who they are, spending time in their world, um, which I loved about it. And Scoot, Scoot McNary. I love the guy. Anything yeah. I see him in, I think he's great. What else has he been in? I think he's in one of the Narcos shows on Netflix. Right. I think that's probably where I first saw him. But um, I'm sure nothing comes to mind, but he, he pops up here and there in a few bit parts. Yeah. He's got a nice, like, sort of, uh, I wouldn't say downer vibe, but <laughs> yeah. just like very, like, yeah, lo lo low energy. Very relaxed. <laughs> very. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, I think it's also helped because you told me this, Jason, one of the big, bigger parts about this movie, it is very low budget, but there wasn't actually a set script for a lot of this movie. Is that right? Yeah. Mostly improvised. They only had a few outlines of scenes. Mm. That feels like it could go very I know. Well, doesn't it? But yeah. it works so yeah, well. It does. There was a very big risk of doing yeah, this. Big time. Um, you'd you'd re imagine the trust you'd need to have in your main actors uh, going into it. But- I really like it. And like you said, McNeary in this, the way he just starts off some conversations and and they feel very natural for what people would do just in the downtime. Mm. Helps that they're, they're married, right? It just makes it so yeah. believable. Well, speaking of them being married. Yeah. I read a review on Letterboxd by the account Cinema Void, which I'd not heard of before. <laughs> they, they, they marked it two stars. Whoa. And their one line review was, Imagine acting in a movie alongside your real-life girlfriend, only to find out that two giant CGI alien squids have better chemistry than the two of you. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm the minority here. I kind of feel that. Yeah, true. I thought he was good, but I thought she was the yeah. uh, the weak link. I quite liked it. It felt very believable when they do at the end start feeling for each other, and it's very emotional, and the squids are doing their thing in the background. I was a bit iffy up until that moment, and I think it does click for me. Um, but you're right. I've never heard of this actress before. No, I've not heard of her since. No. Yeah. Yeah, so it probably makes a bit of sense. She is absolutely smack bang in the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. It's yes, the haircut, yes, yes, right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a scene where she gets out of the shower at some point, and she's got like, yeah, perfect yeah. manic pixie dream girl hair. <laughs> and just the whole thing like, oh, I'm so, I'm so lost. Oh, won't you help me? And it just seems so like... We need, we need ten thousand dollars. Here's this wedding ring. 
of mine. <laughs> yeah. Don't need it anymore. Yeah. Nah, yeah, even just the fact that McNary in this, he starts off like, obviously it's all improvised. Me and Jason recently did an episode with one of our friends who's really into improv. And until then, I'd never really realized just how much, just how hard improv can be. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of these scenes, I feel like he's doing so much of the heavy lifting, yeah. trying to come up with fun little conversations to have. But her answers to a lot of the... Pretty lame. Pretty lame. And a lot of the time, she's legit just like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There were some good lines. Like, I guess a bit of it's some, a bit cliche. Like, he's talking a lot about how I get paid to photograph tragedy. That's what people want. Whereas you take a photo of someone smiling, they don't, um, you don't get paid anything for it. And I think he has a lot of cool, like, insightful character building dialogue bits along the whole thing. And it, it is really great. Let me ask you something. You know how much money your father's company pays for a picture of a child killed by a creature? $50,000. You know how much money I get paid for a picture of a happy child? Nothing. You know where that puts me? Photographing tragedy. I still liked their chemistry. I thought that they worked together well, but it definitely is more on his shoulders until the very end of it. And I, I just, the thing that I love the most about this movie, guys, is just the vibe. Yeah. Like, I just love the slow paced, like somber feel. And I also love the moments it changes it up. Like there's a bit in the middle where they stop off at a town and they're like seeing this really beautiful site. Um, they have a bit of a party, party scene there, like, getting drunk, scoot sleeps with someone and gets his passport stolen and it's a bit crazy but um i just love how it quite abruptly cuts to really fun stuff and then straight back to the somberness and i feel like it really hits and they level it off really well the scene i really enjoyed just going back to what you said around him doing all the heavy lifting mm. was when they're all around the campfire with with the like the guides yeah and he does a lot of the oh what do you think about this what do you think about this yeah yeah so that, and i didn't know it was all improvised until after i'd seen it this time <laughs> <laughs> no no how far is the wall from here like driving i wear a on the other side right on the other side of that wall is america yes so we're very close very we go like what early morning no we're waiting for another family another family then we'll go to the wall together okay crees que el muro evite que las criaturas entren a america i think american government are spending a lot of money but you can't fight nature no exactly barriendo su casa yeah it's like we're imprisoning ourselves es su casa no no problem have you guys seen one of the creatures? Have you ever seen it, like with your own eyes, a creature, a live one? Uh, Teposclan. Near here. Tomo fotos, video, <gasps> ovni. Shut up. Teposclan. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that sort of makes sense that he's he's trying to he's get bring people into yeah. the scene. Yeah. And, and she's just like sat there, like doing nothing. And I, I do think it fits. It fits with her character being. Spot um, little rich girl. Yeah, yeah. It's it's implied that she doesn't really have a job in this movie, and uh, she's the one that he's having to protect and bring around and bring back to safety. Yeah, I, I think I think it fits her character almost being somebody who like doesn't really know what they're doing or know the best way to get out of here. Yeah, I I just like McNeary because of it. 
he's always fun. He brings a lot to the scenes he's in. And he, and he, and he does some damn good work with that camera. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's just, the setup's ingenious to me. And I really love the, I mean, we talked a little bit about how the movie was made, but a lot of it was improvised. A lot of the cast outside the main two are just people that were there that they got to film in the scenes. And then this was also shot on consumer level recording equipment. Like I assume DSLRs are real easy yeah. to get stuff. And the VFX. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like an off the shelf effects yeah. tool. I know. For a movie in 2010, this, yeah. this rivals. Yeah. And it's better than a lot of the stuff coming out today. Yeah. I, I think it works because it's done very sparingly. Yes. A lot of the movie is just pure uh, cinematography, no no VFX or CGI there. But I think that the things where it is made with effects is the monsters, obviously. There are monster-like effects with the mushrooms going on, growing on the trees the and the fungus. Yeah. Um, and then just a lot of the after effects of some of the destruction that's caused. Like you said, Johnny, we see a lot of... Uh, rusted old damaged ships mm. in the water, um, damaged buildings and vehicles, uh, and some tanks, I think, as well. Yeah. A lot of destruction mm. kind of is done with CG. But yeah, it, it's not showing like the active damage that these things are doing. It's it's the after effects of that. It's, it's the things that they're having to deal with post the destruction. Did you have a favorite VFX shot in this? Very much so. The, the, the shot at the end with the petrol station or gas station, wherever you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. And there's lightning in the background oh, and you, you see the silhouette. Yeah. It's such a fantastic shot. Yeah. That alone is is better than a lot of Hollywood CGI mm. stuff, just because it's so subtle, but so, uh, you know, it just, it does everything it needs to. It just looks so fantastic. Mm. Yeah. I, I just thought it was ingenious, this, the way they use VFX in these and they kind of, slowly put in those VFX element or the sci-fi elements with the VFX. I thought it was really clever. And I just love the color grading, the way the whole thing's just colored, like this kind of dusty browns and grays and then spots of orange and spots of color. I just, I just love the whole film's look. I like the whole vibe of it, the way it's paced. I, I, I don't know. just, I remember not liking this movie when I was a kid and I was very surprised to just be taken aback by like how creative and how cool it all is. Yeah, I think this movie has my favorite color combination. Shown True. Um, there's a shot when uh, they're trying to cross a river in a boat, and it ends up breaking down. Oh, I like that uh, scene too. During during the night, like, which is something that I thought not a lot of movies would do. They wouldn't take the time to just show a a boat being still in the water, but it shows this really beautiful image of of blackish blue water with the orange light of the sun reflecting on it. Uh, I I just love it. Mm. The, the colors they use in this movie and the it's also the mirroring of the colors of the monsters at the end as well yeah i don't know if you guys picked this up we we don't see the monsters for a lot of the movie and when we do see it it's always on a secondary monitor very small in the corner yeah. as the characters are watching the news or something uh, but when we finally see them they're this they're these beautiful uh, dark black and blue creatures uh, they look very much like octopuses. Mm, yeah. And they mirror a lot of those really deep sea, uh, deep sea creatures that you see with like the blinking flashing lights. And uh, they just look so, so good with the colors that they have. I think Nope did a similar thing where they took inspiration from those deep sea yeah. creatures in. Yeah, that's, that's probably right. 
Yeah. So, sorry, my, my esophagus is making some really weird, like, monster noises. <laughs> it's fitting. It is yeah, it fitting. Is fitting. <laughs> this is a true monster. It's yeah. our digestive systems. <laughs> I really like that on boat scene you talked about, though, because there's a bit of a fake out when they see something moving and it's getting closer and getting closer. I'd forgotten what it was. Me and too. even now, like, it's such a weird thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It actually ends up being... Because it's, uh, it's like a jet in yeah, the water. A fighter plane or something. Yeah. But then you see underneath it some light from underground. Yeah. So there's a monster moving around a jet or yeah. a fighter plane. Um, I thought it was quite a nice little fake out to inject some kind of thrill into the middle of the movie. <laughs> the only, only thing I didn't like about that is that they're like shining torches. Yeah. Haven't we learned anything from Jurassic Park? You don't start <laughs> shining guys. torches. Yeah. The thing, that, mistake. the thing that got me is 10 seconds after that scene, they start off the boat again yeah. and just start driving, <laughs> start riding away. Yeah. Don't even look behind them pretty yeah. much. They're just out of there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you touched on a bit with the monsters, but it, it's just so clever how you're only really shown them from the perspective of certain people. You see them being attacked on TV screens. You see the terror of them in artwork and they're built up to be this huge monster, this huge threat. And then they'd get this really beautiful moment at the very end. That's just, it's like really moving. Yeah. I don't think it detracts from how dangerous they could be though. Yeah. In the gas station is that, I want to say Jurassic Park like scene. With the uh, tentacles. With the tentacles. Yeah. She's hiding behind the, yeah. the front desk there. And those tentacles, yeah, they're like latching onto the TV screen and taking away some of the color. I feel like in that scene, prior to seeing the octopuses being like this real magnificent creature, you do still get a sense of how potentially dangerous they could be or how's he, how easy it would be to suddenly snap. Yeah. That scene as well is very much like Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Which mm -hmm. was released just before this, I think. Oh, must have. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Because I think there was something in the Wikipedia page that said his original vision was something more along the lines of what War of the Worlds was. And then that came out and he changed his mind and made it more of oh, a wow. like, stripped back hmm. type of thing. But there's a very similar scene where some tentacles come into a basement and they're searching. For oh, them. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I'll see you then. Yeah, no, I'll see you then. No, you don't need to come down here. It's... No, because that would be pointless. Because they're going to be here soon, so... Hey. Yeah, no, I'll be, I'll be home in, in two days. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you guys were okay. Okay. Listen, don't worry. I'm gonna see you. It's, it's fine. We'll have plenty of time to talk. Well, that's good. That's really good. I miss you too. Love you too. Yeah, I think the whole like the last ten minutes of this movie is so great. Having them both on the phone calls, really emotional, moving. This is it. They're going to get home, and then this beautiful moment with the monsters. The beautiful shot with the the gas station and the monsters there, and then the silhouette in the backdrop. I think these guys look awesome too. It's literally just an octopus like onto put onto some legs. Yeah, 
some spindly little crab legs. <laughs> yeah, but those legs look great when you're like stepping out of the mist and you see how huge they are. Quite a clever design. What are you guys' favorite part about the monsters? Is it the legs for you, Jason? <sighs> the monster legs were good. I like the mushrooms. I liked how that that whole thing they touched on where they lay their eggs in trees. Yeah. Oh, in, in the water and then they climb up. Into yeah. The trees, is that right? Yeah, because the guy said, oh, the trees are all infected. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, that's kind of, you hear about this infected zone, how infected it is, but it looks really beautiful. And it looks really like just this amazing part of nature. It's this fun part of the part of the movie as well, because they end up having to wear like gas masks and making mm. their way uh, slowly through this forest. I find it funny how from the start of the movie, Scoot McNary's character, Andrew, is always telling Sam like, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Every day. One more day, yeah. yeah and they say that consistently for what feels like a week. And yeah. even once they get into that forest, he says it like, I feel two or three more times. Um, and they come across this, this, well, first these soldiers, there's, there's a big attack scene with the monsters during the night uh, where all of the soldiers get killed and, and, yeah, you're right. and destroyed around them. Uh, his camera nearly gets destroyed. Hmm. But then they make their way to this this scene of some, I want to say some villages or some some civilians um, just lying down on the ground, seemingly been attacked. And and there's this one dead girl. And he has that. Does he end up taking a photo of her? No, I don't think he does. No. I thought he was going to because he takes a, a little flower. Mm. And you think, oh, cynically, that's what he's going to do. He's going to like put a flower on her and take a photo. I mean, he, he would up to that point almost, yeah, right? Yeah, and he, and he doesn't. He just puts uh, his jacket over her. Mm. And, and she's obviously watching him do this and falling in love with him, probably. <laughs> probably yeah. He's such a nice guy. The way that man covers up a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it's, it's on his Tinder profile. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess the more we talk about it, he's an arsehole from like the very beginning. He's just like the worst. He's just like... He's a bit of a douche, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's because he's drunk and that's not usually him. Um, I, don't, I don't really get that part of it, how she just falls head over heels for him. I mean, I believe it in the end. But now we talk about it as probably just a bit of weakness on her character's part. Yeah, I think her character, just to go back to her for a second, is so mm. poorly drawn that there's a little bit where he runs after her in the morning and she's stood on the dock. Yeah, he's in his underwear. In, in his PJs or whatever. <laughs> and he says, and she says, I can't get on the ferry. <laughs> and he says, why? <laughs> and she says, like with no urgency in her voice, <laughs> oh, because you've got my passport. <laughs> she's, they've paid $5,000 for these ferry tickets. Yeah. People are boarding it. So there's a sense of urgency yeah. there. And you'd think she'd be like, come on, we need to get my passport. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't even go with it to look for it. She's no. just like yeah, standing yeah. on the wharf. Uh, it's funny in the scene before that as well, because they end up going back to their rooms to sleep for the night. He's obviously very drunk and he's like blatantly trying to get in there yeah. to sleep with her. Yeah. Big time. You sure you don't want a nightcap? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does he say? Something about just the king's, how great the king size beard looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying his best. He's um, trying his best. And so you kind of see like, it's a scene setting up how how nice she is and and how desperate he can be. And in the morning after, she comes up to his room, act, acting all nice, seeing him shirtless. And I don't know. I don't, it's very weird how they're trying to depict these characters. Because mm. I, I think there are a lot of scenes where it flip flops between what they're in, 
intentionally trying to betray. Mm. Yeah, I get that. Did you catch that at some point he's got a polo shirt on that says New World Chronicle? I, I saw that, yeah. The same font as the New York New York Times. Is it? Yeah. Because <laughs> that must be the, the place he takes photos Correct. for, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't know how much trouble you'd get in if he just was wearing a New York Times polo shirt. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's what they're going for. Closest thing you can, you can do, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... Who was your favorite, like, who was your guys' standout character in this? Was there someone that you really loved the most or found yourselves connected to? I think Scoot McNary did did, did all the hard work. He's really good, before, yeah. But I really liked the ferry Yeah, guy. that's what I was going to say. Because he was just the right amount of, like, slimy without being, like, too cartoonish. I know, yeah. yeah. And you, still believable, you, still yeah. believable. What are you going to do? It's your last choice. Yeah. You, you have to pay this $5,000. It's such a great scene. And he must have just been, like, someone they found, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. He did look a little bit familiar, but oh, I just wonder if maybe he just looks like someone, I don't know, yeah. like a character actor. Yeah, his filmography, he is in one movie and oh, in Monsters. Wow. Far out. Like, that, this is incredibly good acting for somebody <laughs> they just picked out. up. He was yeah. like a standout, yeah. Um, he probably works at the ferry. <laughs> yeah, terminal, you could probably he? actually go try and get a ticket from him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this wasn't even for the movie. He just charges $5,000 <laughs> for tickets. <laughs> they were actually trying to, for the movie, cross to like the next filming location. <laughs> no, man, we're going to have to give him your wedding ring. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my head cannon. I, I really liked, uh, he's great. I love him in this. There's a scene where they have to stay overnight at this, I just want a, a mother's house. Yeah, they um, find a random house on the way. And uh, the mother in the scene is, is great. She she has a scene where she's trying to chat to Sam's, uh, to Whitney's character, Sam. And she's oh, she's still doing so much of the heavy lifting here, trying to chat to <laughs> The him. random extra. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't speak English as her as her first language? Yeah, yeah. It's still out, out acting her. Um, she's joking about how like she thinks they're they're together and how long how long have they been together? Does she have any kids? Because she she works real well with the kids. Which she doesn't. She doesn't have any interaction with the kids at all. Um, it's it's just so funny to me that <laughs> I'd say all the extras in this are better actors than yeah. one of the main characters. Just to uh, speak about that that woman that mother. Mm. The, the clothes that she gives them. So Sam ends up wearing this like poncho thing, yeah, which is right. so nice. Like, yeah. I want I want that. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fantastic. I like ponchos anyway because of the whole Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Dollars trilogy. Man with no thing. name. Yeah. Oof. But uh, yeah, I really like it. It's a good, it's a good uh, costume choice. Yeah. I think the looks, like this movie now, the visuals, costumes and, and, and everything. I love the... Like the, just the scene of them with the gas masks on, the different gas masks, mm. walking down the ruined city, how it turns so somber at that time when they see what um, the world's kind of done to the to the world. And they didn't, did they explain why they needed gas masks? I don't think they did, did they? No. Yeah. yeah. There's always gas masks whenever it's talking about the infected zone. It's like, wear a gas mask. But I feel yeah. like they go through most of the infected zone without gas masks. Yeah. Well, they come across that, that homeless homeless lady oh, pushing the car that was yeah. scary it was it? scary you didn't know what she was gonna yuck, do yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> yeah. i think i think she was just a random person they found on the on the street <laughs> just walked into frame keep the cameras rolling we don't know what she's gonna do excuse me have you seen anybody else 
got another thing to do. What is it? Another thing you gotta do. That cheese in the back of the mac truck. No, it's no. Three blind mice, three blind mice. <laughs> yeah. And it makes you think as well, like, how much of this monster's threat is just, I don't know, propaganda? Mm. Other people, like, do they even need all this gas masks? I, I'm not too sure. Do these these monsters do attack without being provoked? I don't know if we do, because we, we're skirting around it, guys. Yeah, we don't know. But the way this movie starts mm. is actually the end of the movie. Oh. The movie starts with this huge monster attack. And it kind of leads you to believe the monsters are just this crazy threat. Yeah. And the film does a nice fake out because you find her at the beginning with a broken arm and you think, hey. oh, maybe that's from the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little crash. And obviously it's not. No. It's very, very well done. Yeah. The movie ends. They're torn away from each other by the soldiers. That's where the actual movie ends. But if you go back to the start, it's the same soldiers. And I'm pretty sure they initiate the attack on the monsters. They see a monster and start shooting. Yeah. Which is crazy when you look at it like in chronological order. They would have seen this beautiful side of these octopus monsters. Yeah. And then he, I think it's just it's such a cool way to start the movie and end it because it's like you finish the movie and most people I feel like would watch this and not really think back to the start or connect it up. And it's almost this little extra cool little feeling you get when you look at the whole picture. Yeah. I didn't realize that until we went back and saw the start yeah. once again. And you can see the both the main characters in it. Yeah. And I think in that scene, Sam gets wounded or potentially killed. She's on the ground being held by Scoot. Yeah, and Scoot like picks her up and tries to drag her uh, away. Maybe I need to go and have a, another mm. look. At, yeah. It's a it's a very short scene, like barely a minute long, and it's very uh, disjointed. Mm. I, I think the way that this was this movie was made was very contentious. There was a lot of contention around um, that chronological. I'd call it a reveal. It's it's a fun little thing in this movie. Yeah, you think contention like a lot of people didn't like it. Um, let me try and find this here. It's definitely, I haven't really seen it done much. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about these monsters in your mind just being filled with so much dread and terror, you think they're, you're made to think they're evil. That's what the people in this world will be made to think and seeing how beautiful they actually are. Like this is almost something there about thing. I mean, I mean they're so foreign um, and so different, but beauty is almost, in the eye, eye of the beholder, like there is still beauty there. Um, I, I just thought it was genius, genius way to end. Do you think that the monsters then are just peaceful, easy loving, just want to hang out with us creatures? That's that's what I got from it. But yeah. again, there's a sequel, mm. and I've seen a lot of guns and attacking monsters and stuff. Did you see the sequel recently? I saw it uh, about 12 hours ago. Yeah. What can you tell us about the sequel? So the sequel is uh, made four years later. Mm. Obviously, it's a separate story to the first film, but it's very much just expanding the universe. Yeah. And it sort of does does for the first film what Aliens did for Alien. Nice. Just different that feel. And... It is a different genre. Yeah. So it's a war movie, and this one is a war movie set in the Middle East. And I don't... I didn't enjoy it as much as the first film, but it's still very good. And I guess the key thing about it is that about halfway through, it forgets that it's a monsters movie and it just goes into like a half hour battle sequence where there's no monsters. <laughs> and it's very good for a war movie. It's very good. And yeah. I quite like the uh, sort of Middle East uh, war movies. Mm. I never used to like them. I always used to think they looked quite drab. 
bland almost. Yeah, yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. But now some of those films like Zero Dark Thirty, oh. uh, Peter Berg's The Kingdom, uh, a lot of those films I really, really like. And I thought this was a, a good uh, example of those types of films. I'm excited. I, th- I think that's quite a hot take, isn't it? Yeah. Like a lot of people don't love the Second Monsters movie. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't doesn't have a nice rating on Letterboxd. Mm. But it's good it's cool to hear from you that it does try to almost be do something a little bit different or it's yeah. still kind of like the original in that way. The critic in me wants to say that there is something about a half hour long human battle in a monster movie. Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about this first movie having the theme of uh, human serial monsters. Yeah. We'll see how we feel about that when we inevitably cover that second movie on the when podcast. we get you back on for Dark Continent sometime, Johnny. I'm, I'm, hey. I'm there. This is it. I don't want to go home. much it do we want to go around and kind of give some final thoughts and a rating for it yep do you want to start off johnny sure well i won't give my rating yet but Mm. i would say that a huge wall separating the u.s from mexico i know is this donald trump's favorite film (laughs) this predates that thoughts right it does he watched this maybe he he watched it yeah (laughs) uh this isn't a sci-fi movie this is historical yeah uh and maybe that's what the what his wall like was going to look like because it actually does look quite yeah impressive doesn't it yeah when you, when you eventually do see it <laughs> i love this film i love its spielbergianness in terms nice. of less is more you know you only get to see a few things which is probably a, a factor of using a off-the-shelf vfx tool mm. but i mean what does that show that you can actually go go and buy a vfx tool and make your own monster movie as good as this it's incredible yeah uh, I would recommend it to people. I don't think a lot of the middle America audience of Hollywood would probably like this film just because not enough happens in it. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine some back in 2010, some, you know, conversations along the lines of, Ma, I got back from the cinema. There's no monsters in the monsters movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I like, I like the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing that eventually they do see. Yeah. Uh, and it's not all in your face, jump scares, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Which Hollywood would just do. Uh, yeah, I love it. And I would rate it four out of five overpriced ferry tickets. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of That's money. worth a lot. <laughs> four ferry tickets? I was, I was literally thinking like with that scene, I was like, man... If I ever got into this situation, like, I'd, 
it's just so scary. It's so scary thinking about like you have to pay that much money to like be alive almost. Because <laughs> what was the alternative? He'd have to spend like they'd have to spend six months, yeah, at least Staying until there. the waiting waiting it out. Yeah, yeah. What did you think, Micah? Um, I like it. I I haven't seen this type of movie before where it's a focus on the human characters in the background or in in the world of something that's actively happening around them that we don't really see too much. Mm. Uh, and this is less a kaiju or a monster movie for me as much as it is an exploration about characters just trying to live and survive in this world. Yeah. Uh, where the odds are pitted against them, uh, I think it could have done with a better actress. Ooh. I think she is the biggest letdown of the film for me. I think if you had a another actress uh, playing Sam who was able to riff off... Uh, scoot a bit more and provide a bit more put more discussion a bit more fun to those scenes i think it could have added a bit more to the message this film is trying to bring across who would you have cast yeah i want to know who this. would micah in 2010 have cast in this film emma stone <laughs> emma stone and then nice. replace scoot with andrew garfield yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know i i heard that this movie originally had like four hours worth of content mm. wow um that they ended up cutting down to 90 minutes and at the same time, this movie does feel very slow paced, which I like. Um, I'm not saying that this movie should have been a four hour long cut, mm. uh, but I'm just very curious at what else those four hours or what else that, what, two hours and a half uh, could have added to this movie and, you know, what it could have brought to the table. Nevertheless, I love the aliens in this. Uh, they are beautiful. And I, I, I love the idea of even by the end of this, we don't understand them. No. Uh, I don't know how long they've been around in the movie, but for that whole time, it seems like they've almost been misconstrued and misunderstood. And uh, there's a lot of really cool ideas in this movie for me. I think I would give it a three and a half fairy tickets. But yeah, there's there's so many pros to this movie. Um, but in the end, I, I think it is a little bit more slow pace that uh, that could have been brought up by a better actress. As, right. as a supporting main character, hmm. I really love this, guys. I am. Um, I'm honestly like blown away by how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, exactly what you guys have said. I, I think it's just like a really different, like almost beautiful, quiet, like poetic movie at times. I love just chilling back to the conversations. I think it's so great, and it, it is just really inspiring. Like, yeah, straight afterwards, me and Mike were like, okay. How can we like rent out a van? How where can we go? What movie can we start making? What um, abandoned facilities are in Whangarei yeah, that we can bring to? <laughs> yeah, some I can see some warehouses. Yeah, yeah that would be a good. What's in those warehouses? Yeah, exactly. What are, are they hiding from us? I know. <laughs> I won't say the name of it, but you guys see that building right there. Me and Jake are going to break into that in exactly oh. a month's time. We name the movie Warehouses, but what's the true warehouse? <laughs> or which warehouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just um I really really love this. I've also rewatched um District 9 recently. Oh. Again, I love District 9. I feel like these are on the same vibe just like doing not your average alien movie with actually some real cool deeper themes, uh, more to explore, more to dwell on. I love District 9 so much. Oh, it's amazing, eh? It's yeah, love District 9. And the freaking like giant octopus heads in this look so good. I'm a mm. sucker for giant octopuses. There's a few in 
Godzilla movies, there's a kaiju called the giant octopus. Mm. Johnny, you have to see this guy. I think the first time they filmed him, they used like a real octopus. They use a real octopus and put him on a set. Yeah. And then they switched to like puppets. But um, I always just love the way that um, real creatures, especially octopuses, have got such an alien feel about them. I think they just look cool as giant monsters. Yeah. I'm going to give this one five out of five overpriced fairy tickets. Nice. Just because I, this is my type of movie, guys. I really, um, yeah, I just thought this was amazing. Really underseen. I don't hear people talk about monsters nowadays. No, no, like I said, I'd never heard about this movie before. Yeah. And even hearing some things about the director, Gareth Edwards, this was completely off my radar. Mm. Did we say what else he's directed? No, because we, I I think, I mean, we mentioned Godzilla and um, the creator, but it's pretty crazy that the movie he made straight after this was Godzilla. Mm. Like huge step up in production value. People were looking at this guy and were like, "Hey, he can make a good kaiju movie." I don't think they were using an off-the-shelf CGI to it <laughs> for that one. Godzilla in his tiny head. Yeah, like he walked in carrying it in a like a carrier bag. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here. Rocks up to legendary <laughs> in his van. And he's like, "I'm ready to go make <laughs> yeah, a Godzilla first day movie." Of filming, I've brought my crew of six people. <laughs> we're ready to shoot this. Yeah, but it's crazy. He's done that, and then he did Rogue One. Yeah, I mean that's probably the. The, the most famous film mm. in his filmography. I mean, he's made four films. The fourth is due to be released very soon. Yeah. But what a filmography. I know. Mm. He hasn't really missed. I, I, I really love how they, yeah, they saw this movie and I just really love how they, they saw the person behind the movie and his intent in making this. Um, I think obviously the parallel there is he was able to capture such uh, capture a world in which there's a big focus on destruction and after effects, um, which is very much connected to the identity of Godzilla and how much destruction he can cause as a force yeah. of nature. Um, yeah, looking behind the camera and seeing the the person who made it instead of, um, yeah, the the fame almost. I think it would be it would have been very easy to look at a more famous actor, uh, a more famous director, sorry, and bring him on. But props to the team who who brought him on for that. A lot of Godzilla's human characters are weak too. So I love that like this is the characters mm. that will make this movie. Mm. Yeah. Man. I, I, I love how I'm the one who hasn't seen the 2014 Godzilla. <laughs> I don't remember it being very good. I, yeah, it's a, it, I don't think, it, I think that's a common consensus is it's kind of middling. Right. Um, I, I do remember really liking how Godzilla is shown in that because I think he is shown as more this, like big destructive force that you see in the background a lot instead of the foreground, kind of similar to this. I'm looking forward to um, revisiting it, seeing how he tackled like humans that time around. I'm looking forward to the creator though. Have you guys seen much about this movie? Well, the first I heard about it, just to plug my own podcast, is a couple of episodes ago, I interviewed a uh, VFX artist Mm. called Sofia Diaz. You can go and find that episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, she had recently done VFX on Ant-Man Quantumania, mm. Wednesday, uh, Guillermo, Gil, Guillermo, Cabinet of Curiosities. <laughs> yes. I'd say his name either, I just... <laughs> Moon Knight, and she was also working on something at the time that she couldn't tell me about. Ah, uh, yeah. And it has since uh, turned out that she's working on the creator. Oh, that's what it was? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. I can't so, wait. When I saw Oppenheimer on IMAX was the first time I saw the trailer for the creator hey, yeah. and it looks fantastic. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm all for like new sci-fi stories. Yeah. Which doesn't happen because no. they're just so like boring. Oh, let's just let's do another Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Have you guys seen Zack Snyder's new trailer? 
for his space opera he's doing. No. Oh, is that Rebel Moon? I, I think it's Rebel Moon. Coming out to Netflix in two parts. Oh, I, I haven't seen the trailer, but I'm curious what you think. But his whole pitch for it is that um, the area of space operas after Star Wars, uh, it had taken up the whole scene. So this is his 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 go at almost pushing that to the wayside, being like, you know what, let's let's make a proper space opera with the new ideas and make it quite mature. Right. Uh, let's not cater it down to families. I say mm. cater down for families, but that's its own thing. I like the idea. Yeah. And the trailers, he's got like lightsabers in there that look better than the actual Star Wars lightsabers. Oh. I'm real curious at what it's like. It's interesting that he's moved Star Wars to the side and then used lightsabers. Like, <laughs> come yeah. up with your own ideas, dude. <laughs> I have a lot of love for Zack Snyder, though, just because of Watchmen. I, I, oh, Watchmen man. Is one of the I love Watchmen, too. Yeah, it's fantastic. I wouldn't say I'm a Zack Snyder fan, but I was just blown away when I saw Watchmen at a young age, and it's really stuck with me. What a movie. What a movie. Whew. Johnny, this has been a blast. It has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. This was much funnier than your episode with me. So <laughs> what? there's, there's more so. humor in your podcast than is in my in my podcast. <laughs> Maybe I need to like ask, ask, ask some more funny questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, yeah, we just did an episode on My Movie DNA, guys. If that's out, um, we will link it in the show notes. My Movie DNA is awesome. I really, I really love the conversations you have with your guests, Johnny, and um exactly what we said before just learning about what people like and what makes them tick mm. so be sure to check it out is there anything else you, you kind of want to plug you can find you can find my movie dna whenever podcasts are right yep and all all your good podcast stores uh cool. and you can contact me on twitter i refuse to call it the new name <laughs> at my movie dna awesome or on email my movie dna at gmail.com Cool. And you, I mean, I love following you on Letterbox too. What's your Letterbox handle? Good question. <laughs> Mr. Johnny Andrews? I probably is. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You're one of the people who consistently does like proper good reviews and, and talkbacks for a lot of the movies you see on there. Yeah, you I, guys need to follow Johnny because he's he's got some great stuff. Yeah, and... I, re I review everything I watch. Yeah. You don't, have, you don't have a big enough audience, man. I think you actually have some real, real awesome thoughts. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> My my favorite review review of this year is my three star review of the Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> which is just one line. I'd be all up in Anya Taylor Joy's pipes too, <laughs> Mamma Mia. <laughs> and that has like thousands of likes, right? Because it's worthy of it. That it's has worthy of it. One like. <laughs> <laughs> Who's who liked it? Oh, probably someone I don't even know. Yeah, and someone I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go and like it, Johnny. I'm going to go and like it. That's great. Can we retroactively give this comment? Yeah. A thousand Everyone, you go and like that comment. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been so fun. Um, we'll definitely need to get you on at some point. Um, and I'll just do a quick plug as well. If you um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podzilla, you get a full kind of uncut, unedited version of this conversation. So get to learn a bit more about Johnny, get a bit more banter with us. Um, and yeah, it's only $5 or less a month. So check it out. But yeah, that was a blast, guys. That was so much fun. It was. Thanks for having me. Nah, anytime. A woman. <laughs> I'm leaving that in the episode and you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> a woman. That's been Podzilla with your hosts, Jaysha. And Micah Drake. 
Follow along on our socials at PodzillaPod and jump into our Discord via the link in the show notes. Huge thank you to Cassie Celine who did our podcast art and Degora9898 who did our episode thumbnail. Let's go. And just a disclaimer that any musical sound effects used in this episode belong entirely to the Toho Company. See you guys next episode.